everybody and welcome to the next installment of the TC Neely School Business Real Estate Webinar. Uh, my name is Carl Pankratz and I'm an adjunct professor at TCU and today we have an incredible guest in uh, Avery Johnson. Uh, Avery, uh, I think, is one of those that really needs no introduction. People say that all the time, but if you're in Dallas and you don't know who Avery Johnson is, get out more. Uh, so without further ado, Avery, tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, kind of what's going on. Well, thank you. I uh, appreciate the introduction. The only problem I'm having is um, I, I just spent the week in Cabo and I am severely tan right now. <laughs> that was a joke for the rest of it. That's something to kind of warm up the crowd. <laughs> you know, I was at the one and only Pamia. Uh, uh, fortunately, I know you guys are Cowboys fans, so you appreciate this. In 2004, your quarterback's coach was a guy by the name of Sean Payton. And he asked me to officiate his wedding in Cabo. You can go online, look at the pictures, and uh, you'll see yours truly. And uh, we played golf. But I'm looking at my face right now, and I am really chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully we will only use the vocal, the, yeah, audio, the, vocal. the audio from this. Because my wife will not be <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, but no, thanks everybody for showing up. Avery Johnson, uh, before I say anything about myself, um, I'd like to introduce um, two folks that are here with me tonight. Vincent Owasini, uh, he's a full-time underwriter for our firm, Avery Capital. A wonderful young man, uh, very, very talented. Uh, his future's bright and uh, we wouldn't be here without him. So Vincent Owasini, everybody, if you wouldn't mind giving it a hand. Uh, Kamisha Freeman, who's the CEO of our company, uh, consultant for Avery Capital. Um, she is another superstar. She was with the GSA, which is General Services Administration, for 21 years, decided to come to the private sector in August of last year, and um, just uh, an extremely intelligent, uh, bright, uh, competitive, fiery, uh, tenacious um, uh, teammate. I don't like to say that we have staff or workers, but uh, she does an incredible job for us. Wouldn't be here without her either. And uh, Kamisha Freeman from Avery Capital. So, yes, I'm the CEO of Avery Capital. Uh, after spending, um, you know, 30 plus years in professional sports, pivoted to um, private equity and commercial real estate. And uh, Avery Capital uh, has a tremendous amount of momentum. Uh, my background, I'm from New Orleans, two kids, 25-year-old uh, Avery Jr., who lives in Scottsdale, has his own sports marketing firm. He represents Kyler Murray and Devin Booker. Uh, Kyler Murray is the quarterback for the Cardinals. Devin Booker is the star shooting guard for the Phoenix Suns. Uh, he does all of their marketing and uh, operations and uh, whatever concierge services that they need. Uh, he has a very niche business. Uh, he's agnostic to agents, and uh, he's doing a very good job. My daughter's 28. Uh, Christiane, she um, is currently working on a 10-week internship with Bain and Company. Uh, she's more my brainy child. She works 
five years with BlackRock Investments, uh, University of Pennsylvania, all of her accolades, which I won't get into. Hopefully she'll accept um, an offer from Bain and Company when she graduates in a year from Northwestern at Kellogg, and uh, we can get her back here in uh, Dallas. Married 30 years, met my wife 33 years ago, Southern University, and uh, you know here we are. We love Dallas. Uh, after coaching at Alabama for four years from 2015 to 2019 with their men's basketball team, we relocated here, talked to some of my friends. They encouraged me to pivot to uh, private equity. And um, we love Avery Capital. We launched about, it's funny, somebody asked me tonight, when, when did we start Avery Capital? I said, well, we started it over a year and a half ago, but we officially launched uh, in November of last year. So uh, Avery Capital, uh, I'm the CEO and here we are. Is that okay? I think that's a great start. You know, that's a great start. So the questions, uh, the first is, uh, so the, you've seen, you've had a front row seat to the NBA and, and how it's changed from maybe a physical game to a quicker game. So my first question is, uh, as the NBA has changed, let's say hypothetically you're six foot tall, 185 with a 25 inch vertical, but you have a lot of heart. Is there a place in the modern NBA for that player? Oh yes, his name is Trey Young from Atlanta. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, he just had forty-eight points. That's fair. Yeah, so that's fair. You know, there is a place. You know, the NBA. A lot of people in today's world will say, "Coach or Avery, whatever they call me." The NBA is so bad. It's not like it was in the late '80s when you played. You know, because I played sixteen years in the NBA, and it's not the same way. You know, you guys won. The, championship with the Spurs and you coach the Mavericks, all that's great. But it's it's not that it's bad, it's just different. You know, back when I played, there were no cell phones, no Twitter, Instagram, email, cell phones. It just was a different world. So the kids aren't necessarily bad, it's just different. Yeah. The rules are different. We can hold and grab. You had the bad boys, Detroit Pistons, that would beat you down and, you know, the, the Bulls with Michael Jordan and it's just a different world. So the kids have a lot more distractions now. And, um, you know, you can still be successful in today's game, not being as athletic as Russell Westbrook, but having the brains and the basketball IQ and the intellect, which I like to focus more on, and the, sav the savviness and being able to manipulate defenses the same way Trey Young is doing for that man. For those of you that are in the YMCA Men's League, don't give up hope. You know, <laughs> like, there's still room for you in the modern day NBA. Yeah. Now let's pause to hear from today's sponsor. Apartment owners have a lot on their plate. Dealing with lenders doesn't need to be one of them. At Blackacre Commercial, our team is comprised of individuals with high-level experience in real estate law, title insurance, city council, and acquisitions. Thus, unlike other mortgage brokers, we not only get you a great loan, we get you to close. Whether you are looking for Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, HUD, Bridge, or Life Company loans, we are ready to help. Let Blackacre Commercial's national network of lenders and equity providers handle your next apartment refinance or acquisition. For more information, give us a call, 806-438-7194, or visit us at blackacrecommercial.com. You didn't go right into Division One. You won a state championship in Louisiana, but you, you went to junior college rather than going straight to Division One couldn't have been kind of what you were hoping right out of high school. 
But I think a general theme that we're going to see a few times in here is, is life isn't about what you, where you start, it's where you finish. Great example of that. Coming out, come, going to New Mexico Junior College, what was your mentality? Was it disappointment? How did that happen? Wow, that's a loaded question. <laughs> uh, all right, I'm going to try to answer this in an elevated pitch um, because this is a lo- I can give you a long answer. Here's what I'll say. Um, in 1983, my senior year in high school, I was the 14th man on a 14-member team. Uh, they used to call me Little 30 because they only put me in the game when they were up 30. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's the truth. <laughs> so I was starting point guard, got suspended because he did something um, that was insubordinate. And I was able to move from the third point guard to the backup point guard, which um, after we went 35-0 and and finished fifth in the country, attracted uh, one coach, in Hobbs, New Mexico, from New Mexico Junior College. Uh, and I decided to accept that scholarship, went to New Mexico Junior College. And uh, the funny thing was, that, that was the first time I had flown on an airplane. I was 18 years old. I didn't know what Southwest Airlines was, right? So I flew on Southwest, connected in Houston, uh, was in New Orleans, I went to high school in New Orleans, connected in Houston, landed in Midland. My coach picked me up and drove me to Hobbs. I wish I'd have had money back then, because I would own half of the perfume shell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. I'm from <laughs> But uh, again, that it, it wasn't really a disappointment. It was really, it was exciting. Because that was the, my only scholarship. Had it not been for New Mexico Junior College, I don't even know if I would have gone to college. Wow. Right? I had a Pell Grant situation from Nickel State and what's now Louisiana Lafayette. I don't know what would have happened. But I went to New Mexico and uh, played there for a year. My coach, Ron Black, uh, he's retired now. They brought me back right before COVID, and I spoke to the entire uh, athletic department and all the student-athletes, volleyball players, basketball, men's and women's basketball players, track and field, so forth and so on. And we had a great time, and I was able to tell my story. That was the first time I've been back in Hobbs since 1984 when I left there to go to another school uh, before I ended up at Southern University, where I graduated in 1988. But yeah, I wouldn't say it was a disappointment. Uh, it was really a blessing because I didn't have any other options. Mm-hmm. Same thing. You graduate Southern, uh, had a great career at Southern, um, but weren't immediately drafted. Now, over time, you caught the eye of Seattle. So how did that break? Occur? How did Seattle yeah. you know, find you? So when I graduated from uh, Southern in 1988, that's when I met my wife. She was in the nursing program, which uh, was the first nursing program to, that accredited Southern University. Um, so I met her and went to the United States Basketball League, which is in West Palm Beach at the time, West Palm Beach, Florida. Wasn't drafted, played in this league. I get a call from the Seattle Supersonics, which is now the Oklahoma City Thunder, and uh, tried out for the team, made it. The guy that I backed up, I was his backup in 1988 for the Seattle Supersonics. Nate McMillan is now the coach for the Atlanta Hawks. So there's so much connectivity with all of the coaches that are still coaching now in the final four for NBA fans. Ty Lue, the Clippers coach, I coached him when I was coaching the Mavericks. Mike Bootenholzer from Milwaukee was our video coordinator from the Spurs. And then Doc, um, not Doc Rivers, but... um, who am I thinking about? Uh, who am I thinking about? Vincent. Milwaukee is playing who? Uh, Atlanta. 
Atlanta. So yeah, so I'm missing a team. So Ty Lue, and then I'm sorry, Monty Williams, the Philadelphia, uh, the Phoenix coach, we were teammates with the Spurs. So there's so much connectivity with all of those teams that are still currently uh, left in the, in the playoffs. Yeah, opportunity. So, you know, a lot of the, the kids that you played with at New Mexico, New Mexico Junior College, mm -hmm. kids you played with Southern, you know, whether it's an opportunity in business, whether it's opportunity in basketball, sometimes, as you've seen, you, you just needed an opportunity, you know, so kind of looking back, you know, kind of who you played with that maximized their opportunity. I'm sure you played with people that had incredible talents that we don't know their name or just, you know, whether it was, uh, you know, incredible talented, but they just didn't put any work in their game or yeah. they had gotten trouble. What separate, what really separates, you know, because coming out of college, there's so many good players, but there's so few that stick, especially for 16 years. What really separates that once you get to a certain talent level? Carl, I, I could, again, I could spend all night on this. The one thing I will say is uh, coachability, right? You got to be coachable. There are so many players that didn't make it because they had the talent, but they they didn't follow directions well. They, they weren't able to have, they took coaching as criticism. The coach is trying to bring the best out of you. They, they're trying to get you from point A to point B. So I, I think the kids that are, or the young people that are any sector of business that are really coachable, that want to learn, like I, I'm, I really thrive on learning. I listen to podcasts. I'm always reading. I just want to get better. and. I think in any world of sports and business, people that are coachable and people that are learners. Uh, and I always tell uh, a lot of the kids that I've worked with, you, you, you're either losing or you're learning. And part of learning is being coachable. Um, I think the other thing is um, you got to be a real problem solver. You got to solve problems. Whether you're a player or coach in private equity, got to solve problems that's a major that's a major key and if you can't solve problems you're no you really can't help an NBA team uh, yeah quarterbacks solve problems if you if you can't solve problems if you throw interceptions you're not solving problems you're a liability so I, I I think those are a couple of keys that I think about and and I, here's how I'll tie a bow on it on this question um, most of the people that are really successful Failure isn't final unless you quit. They're not quitters. They really are passionate about what they do. They know how to persevere through adversity. And um, they always come out on top, even though the road may be tough. You know, a good example of a team that comes out on top is during COVID, uh, Last Dance came on. And I don't know if you all were able to see that documentary on the Bulls. Uh, you lived it, right? I mean, that was, that was kind of during your era. So you were there when... You, know, you talked about, you know, you saw the bad boy progression, uh, I guess maybe it was Los Angeles to bad boys to, uh, to the Bulls. And you go, you know, you saw that, um, you know, kind of interacting with those players, you know, seeing a Jordan or seeing some of the, the, the icons that maybe we saw as we were growing up and following the game in our youth. Uh, you know, I guess, you know, somebody like Michael, the, the, the appearance is he just never turns it off. He, he wins no matter what he's doing. Is that kind of, you know, from your purview of all these great players you saw during that era, was that one of the defining characteristics? It is one of the defining periods. And it, it's consistent with what we're seeing at Avery Capital. So 
whether you're Michael Jordan and the consistency of the Bulls, they have a strategy. They have an identity. They know who they are and they execute. It's the same thing. We've interacted with uh, pension funds, foundations, endowments, family offices, high net worth individuals. They know hospitals. They know who they are. And there's no fluctuation in you know ups and downs. It's pretty much flatline. They know how we know how to execute our strategy. They know what they're looking to invest in. I probably get eight no's out of 10 people that I talk to, but I'm only interested in the two that says yes. And the two that, that says yes, we fit their profile. It's the same thing in sports. The, the Spurs, my Mavericks teams, the Maverick team that won the championship but that I, when, I, when I left, um, the Bulls, the Detroit Pistons back-to-back championship teams. I know a lot of people don't like the Patriots, but I'm just showing. I'm just saying. <laughs> Historically, they've been a very successful franchise. I'm a Saints fan, so our 2009 Saints team, when teams know exactly who they are, even though we got cheated twice with the Saints, but that's it. <laughs> but and Drew Brees and I talked about that last week. But my point is, teams that have an identity, businesses that have an identity, and they have the ability to execute consistently, they have the most success. So, I mean, so 99, we'll just cut to the last basketball question specifically, is that 99's first team. So, it was just, you guys were just head and shoulders above everybody you played. Now, the last three games, I believe, were close in score, but, I mean, you were, I mean, you guys annihilated your way to that championship. So, that core of, you know, David Robinson's aging, Tim Duncan's rising, you know, what, what really, you know, it seems like it didn't have a lot of egos, so you weren't necessarily dealing with that. But how did how did everybody come together with one mission? I guess you're right. We didn't have egos, but look at think about some of the guys that's on that team and what they're doing now. So just just really take a step back and think about that particular team. Tim Duncan just went in the Hall of Fame this year. Legend, best power forward to ever play the game. All right, and it's funny because what I'm hearing Dallas. Living here in Dallas, they boo me as a Spurs player, but they cheered me as a Mavericks coach. <laughs> when I'm in San Antonio, they boo me as a Mavericks coach. They cheer me as a uh, Spurs player whose jersey is retired in San Antonio. So I get it both ways. So when I'm talking about Tim Duncan, they always want to know also the Mavericks fans, but what about Dirk? Dirk's incredible. Dirk's incredible. But think about that team. Tim Duncan. Um, when you think about Sean Elliott, incredible. Mario Elliott. David Robinson not only was a mathematician and graduated from the Naval Academy, he's also had a private equity fund that's probably on their fourth fund at about $2 billion. And he's been in private equity for 14 years. Uh, USAA helped him launch with a $50 million check 12 years ago, 14 years ago. All right. Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr has been pretty successful. Bulls, Spurs, championship coach from Golden State. So when you when you look at the players that we have, we were a very cerebral team. They used to call us the Money Magazine team because we were always reading and reading magazines, and we weren't reading Sports Illustrated. We were reading business uh, subscriptions. Well, before subscriptions came out, so it just was a different team. 
And I think a lot of that carried over to the court. So we didn't necessarily beat teams with our athletic ability. We, we beat them with our execution, um, basketball IQ, fundamentals, you know, being able to play through adversity, coaching with Bob Fitch. So, yeah. So Avery Capital. So you're able to transition from a great career to Avery and kind of start building a team. So, you know, I think kind of the first question is, you know, I know you do, you know, you have interest in oil and gas, you do have an interest, but, you know, really it seems like real estate is your core. So, you know, where did that interest come from and, and how did you get the business? Well, when I returned to Dallas over two years ago after coaching at Alabama, uh, I, I met with some folks that um, really care about me and they wanted to know what my future was. And uh, I just said I was interested in coaching a different team. And we pivoted at Avery Capital. Um, my partner and I, John Bailey, who's not here tonight, we co-founded Avery Capital uh, with the help of um, A.G. Hill, family office. That's uh, Ray and Heather Washburn. Joe Bryant's the president. And uh, A.G. Hill, you know, basically, uh, behind, you know, nine or ten months before we launched Avery Capital, we had a lot of work to do. And there was a strong accountability model. Uh, it was a lot of sleepless nights. And we basically proved to them that um, we were the firm that they should invest with and partner with. And we launched Avery Capital. It's a $100 million private equity fund where we're buying um, uh, assets that are leased by the General Services Administration, or GSA for short. And as a matter of fact, we closed on our second asset today, yeah. <laughs> which we're excited about. So we just closed on a, uh, hey, Mark, this is my buddy Mark. How you doing, Mark? You good? But um, we just had lunch today. Yep. But, uh, and Mark works with Ray Washburn. And, and uh, He's also the men's pastor at Gateway Church. So if anybody's oh. looking for a good men's group. All right. <laughs> I didn't know that. But, uh, but yeah, we, we're, you know, A.G. Hill and Ray Washburn and Heather Washburn and Joe O'Brien, a uh, tremendous amount of support. Uh, we just closed on our second asset, which is a five and a half million dollar custom and border control building in Orlando. We already um, uh, closed on a uh, $16 million DEA building in Corpus Christi on March 25th. So, you know, we've raised 22 and a half million of our $100 million raise. Uh, we'll raise another thirty million between now and uh, August first. So we we just have a tremendous amount of momentum. It's more of a wealth preservation move. Uh, this is not about wealth creation. It's about wealth creation. We provided an alternative for folks that are uh, in that have a lot of exposure to fixed income, treasuries, and bonds, and uh, with the same credit uh, visa to the United States government. So we're excited. We had a robust, not a robust. We have a very lean team that operates like a robust team and a tremendous amount of support. So how do you choose your team? You know, you're, you're surrounded by a lot of people that obviously are going to be influenced, but picking those right pieces, you know, picking a lot of times, I'm sure there's talents that you don't have that you want to make sure you hire for. And so how did you kind of build the people around you? It's a long interviewing process. Uh, we, we just don't do this. We don't wake up and hire folks. You know, we got a very, very uh, strong um uh, process and, and uh, you got to check a lot of boxes. Um, Vincent, um, you know, he, he had a very successful run at a young age at Crow Hopkins. Very successful run. So we're underwriting about 25 deals a month. 
Maybe only two of those make it to the dance floor and maybe we'll buy one. Uh, Kamisha had a 21 year stint with the, the GSA. She knows all the developers, the brokers. She wrote the contracts. So when you bring in talented people, you know, so I, I had a conversation with uh, a young lady that works at CBRE. I think she left me. She's still here. Oh, okay. So I think you brought me young. That's right. I'm sorry. You are young. You are young. Uh, but I think you brought up Posenelli. So Posenelli is our uh, legal team. They're incredible. They're very familiar with specifically GSA because it's a very niche space. And, uh, you know, SSNC is our third party fund administrator and RSM, our accounting firm, and uh, Bill Cawley's on our board. And I can keep going on and on. It's just being able to bring together the right team to execute our strategy, but to also mentor us so that we can get, see some blind spots that maybe we don't see that can help us uh, be a little bit more marketable. Mm. I know there's going to be a lot of questions, so I'll just ask one last question. And uh, you know, your involvement isn't just the business, it's in the community. So I know uh, Shoreline uh, City Church is a big part of it, and uh, you know, that's one of you know, many charitable groups that you give back uh, in a big way in Dallas. And no, I mean, you do, it's, you do so much stuff behind the scenes that nobody will ever know. So kind of talk about that a little bit, and then we'll open up questions. Yeah, Shoreline City. I love Shoreline City Church. Uh, Pastor Earl and Onika. Wow. Incredible. They grew out near the Arboretum. Uh, we call it a 30-30-30 church. We got a little bit of everybody. And uh, it's uh, they've done an amazing job because they really give back to the community. And we were one of the uh, uh, ministries in the forefront during COVID of helping a lot of people, especially with these food pantries. You saw the lines on TV of folks at uh, these food pantries that, that were hungry. And uh, folks that had lost their jobs and we, we do a lot in the community, and that's what I'm really proud of. We're not just a building, we're a church on wheels. Um, just Say Yes is an organization where they send guest speakers, normally pre-COVID, uh, but now online uh, in the schools to deliver messages to help students say yes to their dreams and goals and say no to negative, uh, destructive behaviors. So I work with Just Say Yes. Also, I'm a board member with Behind Every Door. Um, Behind Every Door, Will Dowell's our president. And uh, we do a tremendous amount of work at the Rosalind Projects. We've got about 800 tenants there uh, at a recreation center where we help kids with after-school programming. Uh, we help people with GED training, computer training. Uh, we just bought the, um, um, uh, down in South Dallas, uh, we just bought a property in South Dallas. It's an $8 million renovation. Uh, Cedar Crest uh, that the Salvation Army used to own. And uh, we're retrofitting the football field, Troy Aikman. And um, uh, Troy Aikman is helping us with the football field. Uh, we're retrofitting the football and baseball. Uh, Jordan Speed's helping us with our golf simulator. I'm helping with the basketball court. We have a chapel there where we were renovating the chapel. And we want folks to be able to get married there, to have services there on Sunday. Uh, and, the, and the weddings are free of charge. Uh, we're, we're renovating our uh, commercial kitchen so we can have big banquets uh, in our facility. So a lot of great work is going on. And I'm so glad to be a part of that, making a difference because we got to change the statistics of these um, uh, young people that are getting in trouble so that they can be, uh, you know, job uh, folks and taxpaying folks that contributing 
to our economy. And the last thing I'll say is, you know, one of the reasons I got into uh, commercial real estate, specifically uh, private equity with Avery Capital, I really want to be a, a little bit of a, uh, a role model to kids that can't dribble a basketball or throw a football or sing a rap song uh, and let them know that there are op other options for them to be successful. Hmm. Uh, your Rolodex is a lot bigger than mine. Uh, I called Troy and he didn't call me back. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, with that, I do, you know, this is a special guest. So um, let's open it up to some questions. Do we have any questions from the audience? I got one. Yeah. Who, who should the Mavericks select as the next uh, head coach? <laughs> <laughs> Rather than answer that, can I allow Kamisha to introduce herself? But that's a good question. No comment. No, no comment. No comment. No, no, I'm on video right now. No, no. I we should let Kamisha introduce herself briefly. Kamisha, take 30 seconds and say hello to everybody. Yeah, I'm gonna say something else. Okay, Hey, I think we're done with this guy. You want to just come up here for a second? <laughs> yeah. All right, Vincent, you want to say a few words? Very few. Yeah. Well, Vincent Rocheney, originally from Dallas, finished my undergrad career and started working at Coles Capital. I was an analyst for two years and got exposure to multifamily retail and industrial storage. Uh, I wrote a little bit of space real estate and really just uh, busted my chops there and learned a lot. I was able to transfer that to Avery Capital. I uh, started there last year and it's really been, I, I enjoy the journey of building it from the ground up. Uh, and it's really rewarding when we get closer to the did y'all uh, did y'all use Ashley Hughes at Thomas Title when he closed that deal? <laughs> okay, okay, guys, I use Thomas Title for everything. I mean, yeah. Ashley's really we're negotiating. She's a guy. <laughs> Let's do another question. Uh, Sam, you have a question? Um, obviously, it's been successful in your basketball career, and also now in the venture capital. What are some changes you want to make? Well, you know, I believe in um, I believe in crystal clear communication. I do not like gray area. So one of the things I ensure in terms of our success is making sure that we have clear objectives and what we're trying to accomplish on a daily basis. Uh, another thing that I do, I try to empower our team to store in their roles because we all complement one another. And I want to give them full uh, authority um, to do what they do. And that's the reason why we hired them. So clear communication, encouraging and building confidence for our team to store in their roles. And I try to also share with our team 
that I care more about them and their families than revenues in the bottom line. And there are ways to do that. It might be a little gift. It may be a text message. It may be an email. It could be a video. It could be a YouTube video. Uh, it could be taking them out to uh, breakfast or lunch or dinner. Just really try to impress on them that um, they're more important than money. I believe in people. You got the right people, the money will follow. So those are a couple of things that I try to do to ensure that uh, we're successful. As you transition to real estate, what was what's been what was the biggest challenge? Was it putting a team together? Was it learning how to underwrite? Was it learning which asset class? What was the hardest part of what you where you built today? Do I look like an underwriter? <laughs> do, I'm serious. Do I look like an underwriter? <laughs> I mean, we... <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I'm joking. But uh, I, I think one of the things. Um, that I had to ensure was that the team knew that I was always available because part of what we do, we use my brand to help us get in the doors because I'm not an underwriter. And there's, my team are, they're superstars and they're all the technical folks. And uh, I, I think the one thing I wanted them to know is I'm available. Don't ever think that I'm not available. That, you know, even if I'm on a call, on a Zoom, on uh, Microsoft GroupMe, whatever it is, I'm in a meeting. There are certain places I can't use my cell phone, but just know I'm one phone call away. And I think your best ability is your availability. So I think the one thing I try to ensure with my team is they can always count on me. And if I need to be on the call, I'm available. So that brand, so I've been trying to get a, res a reservation at Monarch. Last call three me. Months. I call me. Use your yeah, brand for me. that call too. Me. Okay. You ready? What time? What day? What's the day? As a matter of fact, <laughs> I just got a text message from somebody that wants a reservation at my Hey, I like it. Well, yeah, I like it. You know, my wife will be happy. I need a babysitter too. Really <laughs> All right. Hello. I got you. Go. We have another question. You know, Reg and Patrick, you know, I'm going to ask you guys. So, Patrick. Yeah, yeah so he said uh, he wanted to real estate private equity to. Kind of be a role model and, uh, for the children, but I mean, I feel like you can do that in a lot of ways. Why, why real estate? Hmm. Well, it what to be brutally honest, in the private equity fund business, buying GSA assets, uh, there's little to no folks that look like Avery Capital. So I wanted to be an example of uh, making sure that kids understand the power of real estate, the power of owning and trading, owning and selling real estate. Uh, a lot of kids don't think that's really sexy, but, but it is if they understand it. So um, even though that's not the only option outside of sports, I wanted to make sure that they knew that was an available option. Uh, I've also been an oil and gas investor. I know a ton of folks. As a matter of fact, I know somebody that built the building on your campus called the Reese Jones Center. Okay. So you probably know that center, had a class in there or, you know, walked by. But again, he's been one of my best friends without name dropping for 16 years. He can't dribble a basketball. He was actually a bankruptcy attorney, graduated from SMU, decided to pivot in oil and gas, 
and has been ultra successful in that space. So again, I just think uh, whether it's oil and gas, real estate, uh, even I'm you know on whatever side of real estate it is, uh, technology, you know whether it's biomedical, there's so many opportunities out there uh, for young people uh, and young people that are minorities to be successful.